0: Let's pray together. Father, we come before you this morning and we come filled with hearts of worship. We come thankful for Christ and Christ our Savior, our Lord. We thank you that you are all powerful. You're all knowing. You are infinitely good which we may, some hear, and we certainly, every one of us in our lives, will face trials and challenges and sin that will challenge us to the core and will cause us to perhaps even question these things, but they are true. You are good. Even when things are hard, even when trials abound, even when persecution comes, even when we must take up the cross. And so we pray in view of you, O oh Lord God, and recognize that we need you in every way. In the days that are good, in the days that are hard, we need you through everyone. And we look to you as our hope and as the one we look to for all things. You are able to do great things. You're able to save and you're able to help. You're able to keep, you're able to awaken. You're able to transform, you're able to deliver, you're able to grant life and peace where there is no life and where there is no peace. And so we come before you, the living God, and we just humble ourselves this morning, seeking you and our need is you. Father, we, we grieve over the broken state of our nation, the broken state of ourselves even. Grieve my personally over the lack of a longing for you and your word, a lack of longing for Christ and the body of Christ, a lack of longing for sharing the good news, a lack of longing to make disciples of all nations. And so we pray, Father, in that. That battle is in us, that battle is ongoing, and so may you give us grace that we would seek to declare Christ and make him known. May you help us to have a hunger for your word this morning that we may drink it up as we go to it. May we long to make disciples. May we long to declare Christ. Even as we sing in Christ alone, our hope is found. And so help us to share the one hope Christ to the nations and to all. And so help us. We give you glory this morning. We lift up your name and we pray that you would be glorified this morning and Christ's name would be lifted up. So give grace to us this morning. Help us to have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hands to receive. We just set these things before you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1, and so we'll be in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10 this morning. You know, today we're rather accustomed, you know, to getting news and entertainment and, and knowledge from, you know, all variety of Electronic devices, you know, that we have, so our TVs, you know, iPads, you know, smartphones, you know, maybe your computer, as well as all sorts of other things we do with those things, you know, we work on them and use them and have meetings through them and so on. Well, back in the 1930s, radio was one of the chief ways people would do all those things. You know, they would at least maybe not necessarily work, but they would, you know, get news And they would get entertainment and all these things uh, from the radio. So radio was massively important. so later in the day, on October 30th, 1938, countless people then from all of the United States were doing as they would often do and listen to the radio. And so they were listening in. And as they were listening in, they were hearing some rather strange news. Some strange things were happening. And so as they listened on in the radio, they heard news that there had been an explosion on Mars. In fact, as they continued listening, they found out there were multiple explosions on Mars. And as you can imagine, that would be unsettling of itself. Okay, that's, that's crazy. And as they listened on, some other things kind of continued to happen that were... Uh, very close together to, with this explosion on Mars. So something akin to an earthquake also occurred near Princeton, New Jersey. And then even shortly after that, more news came in that a meteorite was reported to have hit Grover's Mill, New Jersey. And so all these things were happening. And then as listeners, they're, they're hearing all this, of course, you know, wondering what in the world is going on you know, as they're processing all these things. Uh, One of the reporters, Carl Phillips, he is there on the scene of where this meteorite touched down and he reports and he finds, as he reports, he he says basically that it was not a meteorite. Instead, it was a 30-yard wide metal cylinder. And him being rather close to it, as he, looking on, he sees something beginning to come out of it. And as he looks on, he finds out that it's a creature, and it's actually, in fact, an alien creature coming out of this 30-yard metal cylinder. Now, at this point, you're probably wondering, what in the world is going on? <laughs> you know, I mean, wait a minute, I never heard of this. You know, when, when did an explosion happen on Mars? When did a metal cylinder like that fall down from the sky? I mean, what is going on? And so you'd be right to ask that question. Well, if you had been there at the start of the broadcast, you would have heard this. The Columbia Broadcasting System and its affiliated stations present Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the air in the War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. Now, if you have no idea what that means, that was a book, and it was a book a fictional book about how aliens were going to come to Earth and they, in the book and, and take it over. And this big war of the worlds. And so, in other words, it wasn't, it wasn't real, right? It was, it was just an act. It was all just part of a book, you know? And so all these things being reported, they really didn't happen. But many people didn't hear the first part of the broadcast and so they begin tuning into the radio and hearing all these things going on. And so literal chaos ensues across the United States. And some people physically packed up their cars and they left their homes. And, and it was even said that some women had miscarriages and even had early births because of this broadcast. Now, of course, we know now, and they. Did eventually find out that that was all just not true. It wasn't a real story. It wasn't a fact. It was made up. It didn't really happen. It was all staged. It wasn't true, but some people thought it was. And that, of course, affected them deeply, right? (laughs) Because they thought it was true. And so they were taken in, believing in what they had heard. Well, in our passage this morning, we have here a far graver incident of people being taken in. And not with something like a book like H.G. Wells and War of the Worlds, but with real people going and preaching something that was not true. And so here we find a much graver message or a much graver confrontation going on here which was directly connected to the gospel itself. And so these people were going around preaching a false gospel. It was not true. It was not the gospel. But believers in Galatia, they were being taken in. And if they would not or did not see the truth, the results would be devastating. Let's read here then, beginning with verse 6 of Galatians chapter 1. May God bless the reading and receiving of his true, inerrant, infallible word. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. Or am I tre- trying to please? if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Amen. So right off, we can see that Paul, he is not holding back whatsoever, <laughs> just launching directly into his message. And so here he has a definite, serious message for the Galatian churches and his message is this. There is no other gospel. There is no other gospel. Now normally, you know, as you look at Paul's letters, you see just how urgent he is in this because the way he begins here. You know, Paul, he would begin his letters in a certain way. You know, he would... Even as we've already seen, you know, he, we would have, you know, some sort of initial greeting in his letters, but nearly all of them don't just kind of end there, you know, just, yeah, I'm Paul, these are the people with me, uh, this is who it's to, grace and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, and so on from there. You know, he, you know he, he goes on and he does more than just that, and often he'll continue on, and he'll go and he'll bless God, and he'll thank God, and he'll even say, I always am praying for, for you. Well, here it's different. Here we see plainly and immediately that Paul's message is urgent. Paul's message is urgent. So Paul, he goes directly into his letter here. There is no prayer. There is no thanksgiving. There is no extended exaltation of God and of the gospel. And so he comes immediately to the task. And so his task here is an urgent one. He writes to them out of a deep concern. And he's not just kind of overreacting here. He isn't, he isn't playing an actor on a stage. This isn't a fictional book. There are real souls at stake here. And so he is coming and he is blood earnest right off the bat. Right out of the gates from this letter. You know, if you see a fire in your house. I mean, we don't, you know, kind of like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'll go sit on my couch and turn on the TV and watch a little bit. I'll get to that. Maybe, you know, maybe later when I get a, you know, a chance, I might go and do something about it. You know, we, we don't do that, right? If there is a fire like, huh! You know, all everything you're doing has to stop no matter what you're doing. And you've got to act. You've got to do something if that means getting yourself out of the house and everyone with you. Or just trying to put it out or something. Your options are act. You know, do something immediately. And so leaving it alone is just simply not an option. Well, that is the tone here. Paul is urgent. And he says... I am astonished! Exclamation point. Why? Well, he's astonished. They're turning away from the gospel of grace to a no grace gospel. So look at the word that he uses here. And turning away from the gospel, they're just kind of throwing away an old pair of shoes. You know, they are deserting or turning away. And we'd be right to, be at, to ask here, well, turning away from what or turning away from who? Well, who does it say? From God. And turning away from the one and only gospel throughout the world, in all of history, they are turning away from God. So make no mistake if you turn away from the gospel you are turning away from your only hope in all the world in all of history ever you're turning away from the only God because there is no other God and this is the only way that he has given for us to know him In view of such truths, must say how devilish false Gospels are. I mean, they sell you poison, and they sell you venom, and they sell you death, and they make it appear, though, as though it will be tonic for you. (laughs) You know, as though it's going to be the antidote. Finally, you know, the Gospel in the Bible was all good and all, but man, this other thing that's coming out, it's so much better. This is where you can get life. You know, this is the trendy thing that I can just take up and it will make everything in my life all better. Yet when you abandon. This gospel, the gospel, the only gospel. You're not abandoning a church. You're not abandoning a denomination. You are abandoning hope. You're abandoning life. You're abandoning salvation. You're abandoning God. You're abandoning grace. Which is exactly what we long for, right? I mean, we're, we're such a mess, all of us. I need a gospel of grace. Well, in abandoning this gospel, we are abandoning grace. And this is what it says there. They are turning away from God and turning to a different gospel away from the grace of Christ. And so, in other words, they are turning to a no grace, no God, no gospel message. And so we certainly see, and we have a rebuke here from Paul, This isn't okay. It's not okay if you're following that trendy, you know, kind of new thing out there that contradicts what God's word says. Or if you personally are saying, well, I think I've got a better way that I've kind of made up myself. Like, I think I'm God and I can choose how I can know God myself. Like, I can make my own way to God. You know, or maybe you've even said to yourself, you know, maybe I am God, you know. That's just devilish friends. And it's, it's chains and it's burdens. And if you just look at your, your heart right now, and if that's where you are, that's where you've been, you know that's not true. You know that weight is still on your shoulders. You know that darkness, that dirtiness, that shame, that guilt, it's all still there. Or maybe even hardness of heart is still there. intertwined here with his rebuke is also an appeal. So even as he began this letter, glorying in the grace and peace in Christ, as we saw last week in the opening verses, now here he writes of him who called them in the grace of Christ. And so he's appealing to believers who have been deceived, who have been taken in, These are believers who God sovereignly called them and they took hold of Christ by faith. Just by faith, you know, by grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone, they did that. And so he's appealing to them, to believers who have been deceived and taken in. And so he's reminding them of what they are leaving and saying, believers, don't do it. These false teachers, they are leading you astray. They're not giving you anything better. You know, honestly, I think too, we can do that when we kind of say yes to sin in our lives as well. We can say that, okay, you know, this sin is gonna, going to be better for me if I walk in it that's a false gospel as well. It takes you away from the one Christ, the one hope of your soul, the one who came to save sinners, to save you from what was no good, to give you blessings forever, glory forever, life forever, joy forever, the treasure of treasures. we selling all you have and going and buying that field and buying that gospel, not that you earn it. You just, you just I'll, I'll put everything aside. I will follow Christ. I'll take up the cross. It's Christ and Christ alone. Yeah. You have life, and you have the treasure of all treasures. And so Paul's appeal is don't forsake that. And so he says plainly of these false teachers here first that they trouble the saints. So we need to see and we need to acknowledge this. They are not good. (laughs) It's not just okay. Jesus, he warns on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7 verse 15, he says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, are ravenous wolves. You know, today there are certainly many faithful expositors of God's word. You know, there are those who are faithful men of God, you know, who herald Christ plainly and faithfully and forthrightly. But know it well, there are many who are not. There are many all over the world who are not. And so they can and they do, present tense, trouble the saints. Now, they might be the nicest guy you've ever met. <laughs> you know, a lot of the heresies in history, you know, they'll, they'll talk about them and these these people, they're some of the nicest guys, like Arius, I mean, he was like a really nice guy and yet there, he says there's a time when the sun was not... That Jesus is not fully God and fully man. Nice guy though. But in forsaking that truth. You are forsaking the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are no longer looking to the person who is God. and Who is man. The only Savior. The only God who is God. You are now going to a different gospel. A no Christ. A no gospel. A no grace. A no God. So not a small point, but he was nice. He was nice. He was so kind, you know. That's just great, you know. And so they might well be nice. They might well itch your ears, but they are no good. And I just want to say that too in America. I'm afraid for all of us. Because we're just itching our ears everywhere we go. And we've learned this from since we were born. I mean, I don't like that restaurant. I'll go to this restaurant. I don't like that church. I'll go to this church. I don't like that preacher. I'll go to this preacher instead. But we just grow up. We this is all we do. Almost growing. I mean, this is the world we live in. I don't like that school. I'll just go to this other school. You know, you just that's how it goes. I mean, that's how we do everything in our lives. And so it's so easy then. Well, this preacher just. Tell us more stories, and I just like it. You know, it's really good. It makes me feel good. You know, my best life now, it's just great. Man, we've got to be so aware of ourselves here that we are prone to fall into this ourselves. And we may very well be doing that. List of these preachers you have at home, I mean, who are they? Are they faithfully preaching the word of God? And so we see they trouble the saints. And then second of these false teachers, Paul, he says, they distort the gospel. And so they turn light into darkness. And so they turn the gospel upside down and they just empty it of everything that's good. Of what? Grace! (laughs) I mean, you've got to earn your way to there. And that's, that's exactly what was going on here with the Galatians. So who were these people? Well, they were the Judaizers. Now, if you're thinking, okay, Judaizers, we got it. We're going, to hear from, we're going to hear of them again and again and again in this letter to the Galatians. What were they doing? They were seeking to add to Christ. It was Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus the law. Now, that can be deceiving, can't it? They didn't say no Jesus. They said Jesus plus. (laughs) Believe in Jesus, all well and good. Oh, yeah. But see that to be part of God's people, you must also be circumcised and keep the law. So climb the ladder. And so they were distorting the gospel. So in view of this distortion, then third, Paul, he does not mince words. He says, false teachers are anathema, anathema. So let's look at the words here again, verses 8 through 9. He says there, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel, contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone... Preaches a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Amen. Anathema. So, any other gospel than the one true gospel that we see in Scripture is false, even if an angel comes preaching it. So, an angel comes to you tomorrow night, which may, it could happen. Talk about that again in a second. They come to you and preach a different gospel. Don't listen to them. Reject it. An angel. No way. That is not the gospel that Jesus Christ is. That is not the gospel that I have received. I reject what you tell me. And so, whoever preaches it, Paul says, let them be anathema or cursed. And so, what does that mean? What does he mean by a cursed or anathema? Well, he's saying, don't, don't consider them Christians. They are not your brothers. They are not your sisters. They are outside the fold. They are cursed by God. They are under God's wrath forever. So that's not a mild word, right? And that's how serious it is to abandon the gospel of Jesus Christ. Preach a different gospel. Now be careful here. In the back of your mind, you're not saying, oh, it will be just fine. You know, I know that preacher is off and all on the gospel, you know, but he's he's just really nice. (laughs) I'm sure it's just going to be fine. You know, you're overreacting, Paul. You know, just stop. And I think that's kind of our demeanor in America. You know? I mean, how many false gospels have we perhaps received? Well, that demeanor is not okay, according to Paul. Anyone who preaches a different gospel is anathema. This makes the stakes for those of us who are teachers and preachers all the higher and especially high. So, exhortation to you if you are a teacher or preacher, then my goodness. You need to know the Word of God. Amen. You need to know your God. You need to know your Bibles. It is not okay to just simply kind, kind of say, well, you know, you know I'm just going to kind of go over a curse your manner. Well, You really need to know the Word of God. Are you getting the Gospel right? Because if you're not, oh my, So it would be right to consider ourselves. And it's certainly right for us to test everything according to the light of Scripture. And so we would be right to ask ourselves are you believing the true gospel? Are you believing the true gospel? You know, when I first became a believer, I had to learn this lesson the hard way. So I was taken in. You know, I had, as a naive kind of new believer in the Lord, I just, oh man, I just wanted, I, want, I wanted it. I wanted to get in the word. I wanted all these things. But I also began listening to preachers on television. And I just thought, you know, it's fine. I mean, they're preachers. I can trust them. And I did. I believe what they had said. And so I was taken in. And sadly, those preachers were preaching a different gospel. And thankfully, by the grace of God, you know I was brought out of it, but man, the Lord, He taught me a lot right then and there. And what He taught me is that I needed, and what I did is I, He drove me then to go to the Word all the more. I need to know my Bible. I need to know sound doctrine. I need to know the Gospel. I need to know my Lord. Amen. And That's also why, you know, I know some people put down school and seminaries. Well, that's the reason why I went to school. It wasn't like, man, I just want to become this smart dude, you know. I wanted to know the Word of God. I wanted to know the Gospel. I wanted to make sure I understood sound, systematic theology. I wanted the Greek. I wanted the Hebrew. So I could know the Word of God in the original languages. Be faithful to the Word of God. That's why I go to school now. As some of you know, I'm going... For a PhD in biblical spirituality, that is why. Because I love Christ. I love God. I want to know Him more. And you have to go to get a PhD to do that. But that is the heart behind it. And so dive in your Word, believers. There are Christians right now all over the world who just want the word. You know, a Bible study? Oh, I am there, man. You know, I want to hear what God's Word has to say. I want to know the Bible. And they are there. They're there every time. They'll come and they'll pack the house. They'll be outside even, ready to hear the Word of God. And so again, I think we just need to come and ask the question, are we like that? And so with these words, lest we haven't forgotten the point yet, we need to first see here and realize that there are those who have and will preach a false gospel. Now notice, who are the ones being duped here? It's the churches, right? The churches of Galatia. So believers. Now you can imagine Paul, right? He had went... He had shared the gospel with him. Pouring out his heart. Living for Christ. Planning these churches were established. And then he goes. And now false teachers are there leading them astray. Does that not then make sense of Paul's words here? No! Don't listen to these guys! You came to the pure grace, grace of Christ. You know him. You don't need these other guys. They're telling you a false gospel. So he was, and so it is that we have these words here. Now, it might be that you think, and we're coming back to angels now, you might think that the angels' part is a bit too far. Okay, Paul, what do you mean by angels? Like an angel comes to me and I shouldn't listen to them? Really? Yes. Lest we forget who else is an angel? The devil. He's a fallen angel, but he's an angel. How did that go, listening to him? Not good. And I would say that, and you may or may not know this, but many false religions and cults, they began with claims that an angel gave them some new revelation, a new supposed gospel. And so we would do well to hear Paul's words here. This isn't just a, a, a kind of threat to people back then. It's a threat to us. Rationalistic Americans. <laughs> you know, I'll supernaturalize everything. No angels. Could. Could happen. And so we need to take seriously and realize that there are indeed those who have and will preach a false gospel. And then second... We also surely need to know and uphold the one true gospel. So this letter is for us. It is for, or to the churches, to believers. And so here we need to remember the words of Jude from Jude 1.3. He says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to appeal to you writing to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Now, Whose responsibility is it to contend for the gospel of Jesus Christ? You. I will. I will do that, and I have done that. But it's you. It's every person who knows Jesus Christ. So, if there comes along a preacher, or a pastor, or a deacon, or whoever it is who is preaching a false gospel, who is supposed to contend for the for the faith once we're all handed down to the saints? you you are to contend now as you hear all this it may well be that you don't have a gospel to contend for what do i mean well it may be that you're here and you don't you don't even know him you don't know christ so all this right now is just like well, yeah, okay, but who who is that guy, you know? Who is Jesus? I mean, how do I know him? Well, let me tell you that he is the one that you need. He is the one who came and he lived a sinless, perfect life, a life that you never could live you know all those things that are still in you that shame that guilt that darkness that you feel in your soul all those times you mess up and perhaps you try to make it right well guess what you're never going to be able to make it right with God it is only Christ and Christ alone he came in mercy and in love and grace to come and save you to bring you out of the fire no work of you no work of your own hands he came and lived and he died on the cross and he was buried and he rose again not to come to save the righteous, but to come to save sinners. So, if you're a sinner here, if you've messed up and you maybe messed up greatly, well, Jesus came for you. Amen. He came for sinners. He came for you and me. And so, you may be here and you don't know the Lord. Well, this message is for you also see that you don't need all the variety of the false gospels that the world is throwing at you. Those two are lies, friends. They're no good. Remember the words that Mike read a moment ago from Acts 4.12. He said, there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And so also for you this morning, if you don't know Christ, the call is for you to look to Christ, to believe. How do I do that? It's not coming down here. It's not, you know, trying real hard to earn this. It's not none of those things. It is simply throwing yourself on Jesus and Jesus alone. Trusting in him. Putting your faith in Christ. Repenting and believing the gospel. And this last verse. Verse 10. We see here that we have two options. and, And so we see Paul's and our options. And so there are only two. And the first is he. And we might conclude we'd rather please men. You'd rather please men. And, and Paul's questions here that he asks, they're not rhetorical, or they're rhetorical. What does that mean? They mean? It means that they have an obvious answer. And so, am I now seeking to please men? And the answer is no. Paul was not seeking to please men. Why does he say that? Because the Judaizers were. They were aiming at this, they were, they were trying to please themselves, even to protect themselves. And while they were trying to avoid the cross of Christ and persecution that would come from following Jesus Christ and from preaching this one sole gospel, Paul, he would say unashamedly in Galatians 6.14, but far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. They avoid the cross. I boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. Is that your boast also? And It might be that you want that too. You might want just a crossless gospel. Well, the only gospel is a gospel with a cross, friends. It's the only one that exists. And you and I must take it up. You know, I once read of a preacher... He compared various religions around the world. And he found it interesting that among all of them, Christians are actually the ones who often fear men the greatest. Isn't that ironic? You know, they go out with the one true gospel into the workplaces and through their homes and, and they say nothing. And I just say to all this that not, not that we would just say, man, I'm just pathetic, you know, not that we would make that conclusion of ourselves, but we would say, Lord, you are worthy of everything. I am afraid of others, but I will still preach Christ I may be afraid that they're going to reject me. I may be afraid that I won't have the answer, but I am still going to go out and make disciples of all nations. Yes, I'm inadequate. I've already made that. That's already been clear. I accepted Jesus as my Savior. That means I'm inadequate. That means I'm a sinner. That means I can't do this myself. And so we need to just go in the midst of all those things, take up a cross, which may just mean... Hey, would you like to come to church next Sunday? You know, that, that could be all it means for us. Not go quietly into the night, but going and preaching Christ. So that's one of our options. But please, men. Now for the other, please, God. And this is where Paul is at. <laughs> that is the answer to both of his questions here. No He is not seeking the approval of men. No, he's not trying to please men. He is a servant of Christ. Now, before you leave here this morning and you say, okay, I'm not to please men, and you go and start punching people in the face, you know? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not pleasing people. I'm just going to tell everyone like it is from now on, you know? That is not what God is calling you to do. And in fact, I would say if you go and do that, That is just wrong, it is sinful, and you need to repent. Lest we forget, in the same letter, Paul will later talk about what? The fruits of the Spirit. (laughs) And among them, is there there the person who tells it like it is, you know? I mean, is that guy there? No. What do you find? Faithfulness, gentleness, peace, joy, love, self-control. Does that sound? Tell them like it is. <laughs> you know. Yes, we may be bold. And boldness means telling people about Jesus. Even as we're scared. <laughs> Even as maybe our hands are shaking. That's being bold, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so Paul, he is saying it's not... He is not aimed at getting applause or scratching people's ears. His primary effort and aim in ministry is aimed at pleasing God in Christ and walking as a servant of Christ. And we see this as well. This is why Paul would write in Romans 15 too, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Wait, Paul, you're pleasing people. No, no. Don't misunderstand what it means to please Others then First Corinthians ten thirty one. This is also why he writes. So whether you eat a drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I'm going to go out there and tell everyone like it is. But wait, give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. And this is why he can write in Second Corinthians five nine. So whether you're at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. So we need to ask these questions of ourselves that Paul is asking here. Just do that. Am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? Ask those questions of ourselves and then let your life be aimed at pleasing God as servants of Christ. Friends, don't be duped, don't be taken in, don't drink from a nice, shiny, crossless, cheap gospel. Give yourself wholly to the one, the true, and the only gospel in all the universe. As Spurgeon said so well, if religion or Christianity or Christ is important, it is all important. If it is anything, it is everything. If false, leave it all together. If true, love it all And so may we, may we hold fast to God and to the one true gospel. And if you are here and you don't know Christ this morning, my plea to you is that you would flee to Christ who will receive you with open arms. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we pray for your help this morning as I know this was perhaps a weighty message and perhaps even hard. Hearing the tone of Paul and his unashamed heart for Christ and for the gospel. So may we O oh Lord take on this message and see that there is no other gospel. Help us Lord as Americans. Oh Lord how we have itchy itching ears. Help us Lord. I pray and even plead for us help us to humble ourselves under your word under the one true gospel and examine our lives and examine our hearts. Have we accepted a false gospel or are we not even sharing the gospel at all Oh Lord may you be with us may you convict us as your spirit does may you lead us and grow us and change us conform us to Christ and I pray this morning that if there's anyone who doesn't know Christ indeed may you help them to look to Christ this morning to him who paid it all for them